Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Welcome to church this morning. You guys well? Awesome. We want to welcome Arden on the go. For those of you traveling out of town, welcome to our online church. And for those of you in person, let's hear the church of the Lord say, Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you that um, we can worship you in spirit and in truth. And Father, as Pastor Joe mentioned, there's so many that have come with heavy burdens and sorrows. And I just pray that you would be the joy giver to them today. Father, there's many others that come have come looking for peace. And I pray that you would be the Prince of Peace, and that you would give a peace that passes all understanding. And Father, for those who have had a good week and are rejoicing that that joy would overflow today as we worship you, reading your word, and applying it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was a famous Methodist pastor by the name of Peter Cartwright, and he was old school Methodist where they were very fiery and passionate So he went and his elders pulled him aside before his Sunday morning sermon. They said, listen, President Andrew Jackson is going to be in church today. So we know you get a little passionate, but we ask you to kind of not say anything to offend the president. So Pastor Cartwright got up and addressed his audience. And he said, it's been told to me that President Andrew Jackson is in the audience. And I want the president to know that he will go to hell unless he repents of his sins. And the whole audience is like, oh, no. And they were thinking to themselves, how could such a young pastor offend this old general? I mean, what is he going to say? So after the service was over, the president walked up to him and shook his hand and said, son, if I had generals like you, we could take over the world. So today we launch our new series called Be Bold. And this is going to be Paul's third missionary journey. For those of you just joining us, we're going verse by verse through the whole book of Acts. And today we pick up in Paul's third missionary journey. So kind of a review, last week we kind of addressed verse 23 of Acts 18. And Paul went back to his home church in, does anybody remember? Antioch. And most scholars think he probably spent about a year there. He had been uh, so busy with the churches and persecution, so he, he went to get recharged. And after about a year, he ventures out to his third missionary journey, which probably lasted four to five years long. Uh, For those of you who like dates, it's probably around A.D. 53 to 58, somewhere around that. And the book of Acts opens with this challenge in Acts 1.8. Dr. Luke says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the end of the earth. So that power we're going to talk about in this series, what is it like to be bold? What is it like to have the courage to talk to your neighbor? What is it like to share your faith with your family, with your coworkers? For those of you who encounter someone that has questions. So let's look at Acts 18, and we're just going to be reading verses 24 through 28. And today's topic is Apollos gifted and growing. 
Apollos gifted and growing. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and talked accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew about the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to cross over to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who have believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Let's pray over God's word. Father, we thank you for your word as we read your word, as we talk about it. We pray that we would have a greater understanding of Jesus and how he changes our lives. And as we leave this place today, help us talk about the wonderful works that Jesus has done in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what we're going to do today is talk about a gentleman by the name of Apollos. And we're going to make that 2,000-year bridge to you. How does this apply to us today? So what we're going to talk about is how God works in you. Your job is to work it out. So I'm going to give you a spiritual workout today. How many of you know we're going to get a workout today? In the first service, we actually had a personal trainer. So I pointed to him and said, Josh, you can help us. But we're going to have a spiritual workout. So I'm going to give you four spiritual exercises that you can do. And this will help you to grow in boldness as you work out what God has worked in you. All right, the first one is this. Discover your spiritual gift. So if you really want to grow in boldness, the first step is to discover your spiritual gift. Look at back at verse 24. It says, A certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. So Apollos had a rich background. First of all, he was a Jew. And as a Jew that was practicing his faith, he knew the Old Testament so well. He could quote it, we would say chapter and verse. Back then they didn't have chapter and verse, but he could quote it scroll by scroll. He could tell you what Isaiah the prophet said. He could tell you what David said in Psalm 22 about the Messiah. He was eloquent and he could present his faith. And he's from Alexandria. So for those of us who aren't map majors or study geography, a little bit about Alexandria. It's in northern Africa and Egypt. And it's named after the famous general, what was his name? Alexander the Great. He founded Alexandria around 331 B.C. Now, what's surprising is the population was around 600,000 people. So put that in perspective. Asheville is about 100,000, six times the size of Asheville. So this cosmopolitan city was a place that was renowned. And it was second largest and most influential city or area in the Roman Empire, only second to Rome itself. Now, it was known as the cultural and academic educational center of the whole world. In fact, the library boasted of 700,000 books. Can you imagine that? 700,000 books before the printing press. So if you came from Alexandria, you were generally a man or a woman of the letters. You often were very educated, sometimes articulate. So if you notice the description of Apollos, he's a unique character. He was gifted as both an academic and a speaker. Have you ever noticed sometimes those two don't go together? If you guys remember your college professors, how many of them were very articulate? 
How many of them put you to sleep? (laughs) Sometimes when you're academic and intellectual, it's hard to get in that brain to speak it out. I mean, you know what you want to say, but it's hard to get out. Now, some who have the gift of gab, and I'm not talking about anyone in here, but just some people you know, they may be gifted speakers, but not always in depth. Have you noticed that? Like, man, they were exciting. What did they talk about? I don't know, but wow, could they talk? Apollos combined the two. He was a scholar and he was articulate. And the scripture uses the word eloquent. The Greek word is logios. And in the original language, it usually meant someone of the letters. Literally, it's a person of words. It's someone that was skilled in literature and the arts. Someone that could give a speech and that would just wow you. He was eloquent. Notice the next description. Apollos was mighty in the scriptures. I started by quoting Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. It's the same Greek word, dunamis. And this word means powerful. This word means compelling. In fact, your English word, we draw from this word and we get the word dynamite. So Apollos, when he spoke, he was articulate, he was powerful, and he had amazing content. So it's very rare. So as I've studied history, I wanted to bring up a few people to separate the academic, the high IQ from the articulate speakers. How many of you have heard of Sir Isaac Newton, right? Does anybody remember what he discovered? Gravity, good job. So his IQ, they obviously didn't have IQ tests probably like we have now, but uh, researchers have estimated his IQ was around 193. So to put that in perspective, the average American IQ is around 100. If you have over 140, you're considered highly intelligent If you peak 160 plus, you're considered genius. So 193. All right. Leonardo da Vinci. He was a Renaissance man that was gifted in multiple areas from science to painting to sculpture to inventions. His famous painting was what? The Mona Lisa. Modern day researchers have estimated his IQ had probably... If we could take a test back in the day, it would probably be around 200. That's how intelligent he was. All right, how many ladies in the audience? Let's hear you. Uh, I can't leave the ladies out. Katherine Johnson. You may not be as familiar with her. African-American who, during the 1960s, she played a phenomenal role in NASA during the space race. So this is the 50s and the 60s. She overcame great social boundaries, racial discrimination, and in her career... She helped propel America to space. And in 2016, there was a book released called Hidden Figures that some of you may have seen the book or read the book or seen the movie. All right, so those are high IQ. Now let's talk about great speakers. When you think of great speakers, you think of President John F. Kennedy, right? Great speaker. In his speech, we chose to go to the moon. It considered one of the most influential speeches and helped launch America further into space expedition. And um, his speech to still is considered one of the most phenomenal. All right. Who said, I have a dream. Martin Luther King Jr. All of his life, he fought against racial discrimination. And what's interesting about his speech, I did not know this, but his speech was only 17 minutes. And this is before a TED Talk. So this is the modern equivalent of a TED Talk, right? 18 minutes or under. So he gave this speech that today we still talk about and we still celebrate. So these are some great speakers. So I want you to put the two together, the intellect 
and the great communicators, put them together and you have Apollos. I want you to imagine for a moment if you could combine the ability to think like Albert Einstein with the ability to speak like JFK. Imagine if you could preach like Billy Graham, but you had the mind of Sir Isaac Newton. That, that kind of gives you a picture of where Apollo stood, stood out. And when you read later in Paul's letters to First and Second Corinthians, there was a division after Paul had left the church at Corinth. Apollos came and ministered, which we're going to talk about later. And because Apollos was so eloquent and articulate, people are like, who's this Paul guy? I'm with Apollos. And Paul said, you know, Jesus is not divided. It's not Paul, it's not Apollos, it's not Peter. We follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you want to grow in boldness, I want you to think about we're doing a whole series on being bold. You have to work out what God has worked in you. All right, so someone say work out. So after you discover your spiritual gift, the second spiritual workout. Are you guys feeling it now? Stretching out? All right. Number two, start serving the Lord even though you have much to learn. Have you ever thought, you know, Timothy, I would serve the Lord, but I don't know how to answer that question. What about those who have never heard? You know, I would love to teach the sixth grade boys class, but what do I do if Johnny misses behaves? I don't know how to, you know, and we always say I would, but. And Apollos is a picture of someone that still had much to learn, just like you and I. He, he was doing his best with what he had, but he still had much to learn. Look back at verse 25. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit, and he spoke and taught accurately the things of God. Notice this phrase, though he knew only the baptism of John. So Warren Wearsby said it like this. He said, Apollos' message was not inaccurate. It wasn't insincere, but it was incomplete. It was incomplete. And when you think about the baptism of John, you go back. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus as the Messiah. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. And he, his baptism was a baptism of repentance. So what did Apollos know? Well, if you go and read the next chapter, Acts 19, it gives you a little example of this group of believers who they believed in God and they understood that Jesus was the Messiah but they didn't understand about the power and work of the Holy Spirit. So Apollos, we don't know all that he knew or didn't know, but most likely he believed Jesus was the Messiah. But because he lived so far away in Alexandria, this is Egypt, this is before email, this is before television, he didn't know the full story that Jesus had died for the sins and resurrected the third day. So he had an incomplete gospel. He believed Jesus the Messiah, but he didn't understand about the power of the Holy Spirit. So John MacArthur said it well. He said that when you look at Apollos, it makes you think of an Old Testament saint. He was saved by faith in the promises of God, but his faith wasn't complete until he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. So he had a, a, a faith that was sincere, but just incomplete. But notice this quality. It said that he was fervent in spirit. This is passion. Now, what's beautiful in the Greek, it means to boil in the spirit. It's the idea of bubbling over with enthusiasm. Do you know one thing that will separate you from everyone else? It's the word on the screen. It's passion. Passion is having this amazing ability that will allow you to have purpose that's set on fire. Passion will allow you to have enthusiasm that's contagious. Have you ever met anybody that's passionate? I mean, they just stand out of the room. 
Now, what's mesmerizing about, mesmerizing about Apollos is he had passion, but yet he had not finished, he had not received the completed work of the cross. Imagine being passionate, and then all of a sudden, once he receives what God did, and he's filled with the Spirit, imagine what passion he would have there then. So, here's the thing, application, before we move on. I want to encourage you, you don't have to have it all figured out. Before you begin serving the Lord. Now there is a caution. You don't want to necessarily get up teaching. If you don't you know, understand the, the work of the cross. You need to know that. But my point is. Apollos stepped out. And as he stepped out. God taught him more. So if you wait until you're perfect. To start serving the Lord. Guess what? You'll never serve him this side of eternity. Apollos is a picture of someone. That was sincere. That went with what God was telling him. And he wanted to continue to grow deeper in his faith. All right, someone say workout. Anybody getting tired yet? We're just halfway through the spiritual workout. Number three, seek out mentors. Seek out mentors who will help you grow in your area of ministry. So notice what happens next in verse 26. Look back at your scripture passage. It says, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explain to him the way of God more accurately. Now, what's amazing about what God does is he often aligns mentors your way. God sought out a couple. God knew that there is this tent maker couple, Aquila and Priscilla. And what's interesting about Apollos, I want you guys to really get this. Even though he was very smart, he was a man of the letters, and he was the best speaker anywhere he went, God used a tent making couple to teach him. Now, how many of us would be like, you know, I'm, I'm educated, I've got a PhD, and I've got experience, and what can a tent maker teach me? You know, imagine, let's just do modern day vernacular. Imagine if somebody was a, a craftsman, or let's say they were your local garbage collector, and they're like, hey, I want to talk to you about the Bible, and you're like, what do they know? And here's what I, the lesson I want you to take away is the lesson of humility. You can learn from everybody. Don't ever say, I'm not going to learn. I, you know, no, if you ever say, I have nothing to learn from that person, that's a symbol that you suffer with P-R-I-D-E. Pride. So they, 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 they took him aside. And notice it's the idea they took him aside privately. And I love how they didn't call him out in the middle of the synagogue. Excuse me, Apollos. Don't you get the gospel? You're not talking about the death, burial, resurrection, the third day. I mean, come on. I mean, they, they could have interrupted the synagogue meeting, right? But they didn't. They, they took him aside privately. And um, it, it's so amazing how God will use people in your life. So I want to ask you, when God has something to tell you, do you receive it? And what I would encourage you is, if it's in the Bible, you need to, you need to think about it. Is this person interpreting the Bible correctly? And I can think of, there's many times in my life where God has used my parents, my siblings, others in the church to take me aside and say, Timothy, you're sincere, but you're a little off on this point. And that's hard, right? That's hard to receive that. It's hard to think, wow. But once you receive it, you can grow. And on the, on the giving side, I just want you to know, and I've shared this before, I view myself like an Uber Eats guy, right? How many of you have had an Uber Eats lately? Delivered to your house. If you've had COVID, you've had that, right? I can't go anywhere, but I'm going to have the delivery come to my house. And the thing about a delivery person is you don't cook the meal. All you do is deliver it, right? So here's the thing. I don't make up the Bible. I don't make up 
what the Bible says. All I do is deliver. So occasionally there are times where I offend people. So what I do is I ask, number one, is it personality? Is it because of my presentation? And if it's something personality-based, I'm quick, I try to be quick to apologize. Hey, I'm sorry I misphrased that. I didn't mean it that way. However, on the other side, if it's not personality, if it's just the Bible and they're wrestling against God and his word, I can't apologize for the Bible. Sorry. I'm just, don't hate the, the messenger. I'm just the delivery boy. And what I love about Apollos is he wasn't offended. It doesn't say that he pushed back. But you notice that he received what they had to say. And that's what God wants us to do. If it's really in the Bible, then here, here's the pushback. If you guys, your Sunday school teacher, for those of the youth group, teenagers, if your teacher says something wrong or you disagree with, have chapter and verse. Don't just say, well, I think or I feel. Listen, there's seven billion I thinks and I feels in the world, right? But what God says is what's true, right? So it's okay to push back with anyone, but have chapter and verse to really understand what God is trying to say. So it brings up the question, what if somebody is way off? What if someone in your family, they're sincere, but you notice you can be sincerely wrong. And Apollos, he was a little off because he didn't have the completed message. He taught accurately, but he was incomplete. So how do you do a family member that doesn't understand about Jesus or the gospel or someone that maybe they've gone new age? How do you how do you bring them to where they need to be? Well, just a few points right down. First of all, you need to seek to understand where they're coming from. A lot of times we're, we're, we're quick to, here's the message, here's what you need to believe. But until you know the reference point, sometimes someone is reacting to maybe they were hurt somewhere in their life. Maybe a pastor hurt them, maybe a church. So sit down and seek to understand where they're coming from. Another aspect is make sure that you're not struggling with the same issue. Have you ever noticed that we generally confront people with the thing that we struggle with the most? I was talking to a pastor friend recently, and he was telling me that someone was rebuking him about purity issues and sexuality and all this. And he's like, man, I'm okay in that department. Comes to find out the guy later on in his church was having an affair with his wife. So he was confronting this pastor with lust issues when he was the guy struggling with it. And psychology, they call that projection, projecting your own issue onto someone else. So Jesus tells us before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, what should you do? Take the log out of your own eye, right? The other thing is to earn the right to be heard. And we see this with Aquila and Priscilla. They took them aside privately, and we're not told, but most likely they were breaking bread. Most likely it was in Aquila and Priscilla's house. And as they were breaking bread, they, they would probably say something like, Apollos, you're so gifted. We love you. I mean, we love your teaching. However, do you know the rest of the story? And he's like, well, tell me more. So they earned the right to be heard. They took him aside privately. And then you present the, the, the truth in a spirit of meekness. Paul tells us to present the, the, the truth in what? In love. And one of the best examples I think we could receive is think about a father's love. For those of you who had good dad, if you didn't have a good dad, think of a good example. The fatherly heart, like son, you've gone, you've gone astray or son, but I love you. Like a parent's love for his kids, that's how you present the truth. Like you know where you want to lead them, but... Talk to them like you would your kids, just in a, a spirit of love and meekness. And what I want to encourage you is God will often send a holy man or holy woman into your life that will forever change the trajectory of your life. Like, think about Apollos. After Aquila and Priscilla came into his life, his ministry was forever changed. His life was forever changed. And if you want to grow in boldness, 
You have to work out what God has worked in you. All right, someone say work out. You guys are listening so well. We're going to get out early today. How about that? No one ever said boo to that, right? All right, number four, final workout is put into practice what God is teaching you and impact even more life. So look at verses 27 and 28 as we close the passage for today. It says that when he desired to cross Achaia. Now, this is after he met with Priscilla and Aquila. This is after he learned the full gospel. Jesus died. Jesus rose. The brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. So it's a letter of recommendation. We call this in today's time having a reference, right? So they they gave him a reference. Priscilla and Aquila is like, hey, I know people over in that land. Uh, We just came from there in that region. So they wrote the disciples. And notice when he arrived, he greatly helped those who believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So Apollos was now a man that, in spite of all his giftings, now he understands the simplicity of the gospel message. And you're like, well, what is the simplicity of the gospel message? It's so simple, a child can understand it. And this is the way I like to share the gospel. I'll give it to you in three words, and I've shared this in the past, and hopefully this can be one of your gospel tools that you can share. I I, I summarize the Bible into three words. It's creation, devastation, restoration. Creation, devastation, restoration. So it goes like this. In the beginning, God created the amazing world. It was such a beautiful world. He looked at everything and God said it was good. When he made Adam and Eve, he said they are very good, right? And that was creation. It was a perfect world. There was no pollution. There was no crime. There was no sorrow, no sickness, no depravity, right? And there was no politics. Somebody said, amen. God was the ruler, you know, so... Then there was a sinister intruder that crept into the garden. We call him Satan. And he began to question God's word. Did God really say, isn't God holding out on you? You have the knowledge of good, but what about the knowledge of evil? So all of a sudden, Adam and Eve took the forbidden fruit and they think about a house. They opened the door to sin. That's devastation. Whenever you open the door to sin, not only does sin come in, but sickness comes into the house. Disease comes into the house. Depression comes in the house. Anxiety comes in the house. Whenever that door was open, all these sinister intruders crept into the world. So now what a wonderful world is no, not so much a wonderful world anymore. It's devastation. But God didn't leave us that way. God clothed himself. The second person, the Trinity, clothed himself with the human body, came into the world. The baby was born and they called his name He lived a perfect life for 33 years. He died a sacrificial death. He died to sin and for sin, so you wouldn't have to die in your sin. And not only did he die, but he rose victoriously third day. So that if you receive what he did, that is, you invite him to forgive you, to save you, and you choose, I'm going to follow you. What happens? God steps into your world. It's all devastated. And he begins to restore it. And the Bible says... In Christ, you become a brand new creation. You go from caterpillar to butterfly. You go from devastation to restoration. So once Apollos understood this, his life was transformed. And he was able to go and tell about the night and day difference in his life. And there's one more application before we close this out. Is everyone in this room, and for those who are watching Arden on the go, for those of you out of town and whatnot... 
You know, you really need three types of people in your life. Number one, you need a Paul. Someone say Paul. You need a Barnabas. And you need a Timothy. So let me explain. A Paul, or if you're a lady, a Paula, you know, a lady version of Paul, uh, is someone that's your mentor. And I don't care what age you are, you can always find someone more advanced and someone that can pour into you. This past year, I've been reaching out to older pastors in their 60s and beyond saying, will you mentor me? Will you help me grow? Because I'm not satisfied just being where I'm at. I want to grow, and I hope you guys feel the same about your life. So find a Paul, someone that's going to mentor you. What is a Barnabas? Someone tell me what Barnabas did in the Bible. Encourager. So you need someone, when life gets you down, that will encourage you, that will build you up. So you need that. So whenever you feel like quitting, Barnabas will say, don't quit. God's doing something. I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm trusting God's going to do something. The, the, the person that texts you, how are you doing? I'm thinking about you. And then a Timothy is someone that you are mentoring. You're like, well, I've, I've just been saved a week. Well, can you reach out to someone that's not saved and begin to pour into them can you can you find another new believer so here's the thing all of us need to be mentored by someone ideally guys with guys girls with girls obviously but we also need to pour into someone else and this is what the beautiful thing about apollos even though he was mentoring others he was allowing a tent maker couple to pour into him and to teach him so let's review today we We did a spiritual workout with four spiritual exercises. Let's see if you remember. Number one, discover your spiritual good. Number two, start serving the Lord even though you still have much to. Number three, seek out mentors who will help you grow in your area of ministry. And finally, put into practice what God is teaching you and you can impact more lives. So let's summarize this into one sentence. Let's throw the big idea on the screen. If you want to grow in boldness, you have to, let's hear you say it out loud, work out what God has worked into you. And on your listening guide, there's Philippians 2, 13 and 14. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you. So here's the beautiful thing about being a Christian, is whenever you become a believer, God gives you a treasure trove. He gives you a welcome to the community, welcome to the kingdom package. When you become a believer, the person of the Holy Spirit moves inside of you. You get at least one spiritual gift. And God surrounds you with people that you can pour your life into. So what Paul is saying is God has already worked it in you. Your job is kind of like a treasure hunt. Your job is to work it out. So God worked it in. Your job is to work it out. All right, three practical steps. To take with you. Number one is to take a spiritual gifts test. If you've never taken one, this helps you to discover how God has gifted you. So for those of you who know what your spiritual gift is, then that brings us to number two, develop it. How do you develop your spiritual gift? You do it by what? Exercising it, working it out. So some of you don't know this, but in my early 20s, I really wanted to develop speaking, and I'm still working on that. I still have much to learn. But what I did is for five years, once a month, I went to a local nursing home, and I just preached my guts out to an audience. So many years later, if you fall asleep, it doesn't bother me. I've seen it. If you yell out, it doesn't bother me. I'm used to. 
They would roll the, the, the nursing home people in on wheelchairs, walkers. They would yell out, fall asleep. And that really, I mean, it helped me because it doesn't bother me. I'm used to it. But I did that because I wanted God had worked something in and I wanted to develop it. And it was a captive audience. They would let me preach for an hour, by the way. You guys only give me 30 minutes. They'd let me preach for an hour. Of course, they fought, fell asleep, but work it out. So, a little preview for next week. You can read ahead. Acts 19, 1 through 10. This is part two of Be Bold. We're going to talk about where the power comes from. A little preview. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't be completely bold as God wants you to be without the power, the person, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Father, your word is true and your word is good. And God, I'm encouraged by people like Apollos that seem to have it all together, yet... They still had a lot to learn. And God, all of us would be in the same category. We may come across better than we really are, but we've got a lot to learn. So, Father, I want to pray, first of all, for all the believers here today. And I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand. But if you've been lacking boldness, if you've not been faithful in exercising your gift, God already knows. Just just tell them, say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for not walking out what you've done in my life. Please forgive me. As the believers continue to pray, there may be one here today that you've never invited Jesus in your life. Now that you've heard the completed gospel that Jesus did die for your sins, he did rise again, but you've never received it. You're still a caterpillar and God wants to turn you into a butterfly. He wants you to fly. He wants you to have new life. So if you've never done that, I'm going to ask you to just sit right where you're at, whether here or online, just to say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you want God to save you, we want you to say this prayer. Say, dear God, I believe the gospel. I believe that Christ died and rose from my sins. And dear Father, I want to place my faith in Christ for what he did. By grace, I want to place my faith in him. So please take away my sins. Please nail them to the cross. And Father, I pray that you would come into my life through the person of the Holy Spirit. You would send your spirit to live inside of me. And I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, Amen.